Welcome sentient beings from all known universes and beyond. It's time to activate your cranial downlinks and prepare to receive a raft of discussion on a cosmic ocean of science fiction and fantasy topics, interviews with local area genre devotees, and insightful prognostication by our soothsayers of science fiction, our forecasters of fantasy, and any other beings that happen to get caught in our gravity well. This is the Galactic Driftwood Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Galactic Driftwood Podcast. I'm Bill. I'm John. I'm Linda. Charles. I'm Seth. I'm Jenna. And today we have um, an old friend of the show, uh, Stu Burns, back with us. Uh, Stu's kind of our resident expert on uh, folklore type stuff, uh, especially when it comes to vampires and um, other uh, areas of mystery and intrigue. So, uh, Stu, welcome to the show. We're glad to have you back for another October Halloween episode. And um, I guess uh, we thought we'd uh, kick off the show by uh, going over uh, maybe a, a kind of a brief list of some of the area venues that are open this Halloween. If you're looking to get some fright time in, um, you might want to visit some of these attractions. So, And um, we should say Omaha area venues if you aren't yeah. familiar with the show. Right. Uh, yeah. And we do have some that are uh, uh, down in Lincoln as well. So, um Anyway, um, let's go ahead and, and kick that off. So we've got uh, Vala's. We mentioned that Vala's Pumpkin Patch is open, and that's a, a big, uh, uh, huge attraction. So, um, you Especially know, little ones. yep. Keep in mind when you're going to these, you know, um, continue to exercise social distancing and, and preferably wear face masks uh, if possible to protect yourselves. Um, so Vala's is a great place for the whole family to go. They've got just uh, an endless number of attractions there to keep you entertained. You'd spend uh, hours there easily. And then, or you um, can uh, get it. You can also get a camp or like one of their little fire. Yeah. Bonfire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, if you don't have a, if you're in an apartment, but you want to have a fire pit night or a fire night, uh, you can reserve uh, your spot there and they provide the wood and it's really nice. We and, do that. We do that almost every year. And while we're talking about bonfires, maybe Stu knows this, where that term originated from. Bonfires? Well, I, I don't know about bonfire. I know they used to use the term need fire in um, in James Frazier's uh, The Golden Bough, where, he, where it was really a, he theorized it was an imitation of, of the sun at night and it would uh, keep bad things away and so forth. I like mead fire because I would hope it involved mead. Yeah. Well, I, I've heard that it was um, um, uh, coined. It came from bone fire. Bone fire. Oh, really? Yes. And that's where it kind of evolved into bonfire. But it was a, a thing that was done typically in the fall. And it was a way for people to kind of say goodbye to those that had died the previous year and to kind of cast off those shadows um, and protect them as they're heading into the darkest nights of the winter. 
And so they would have these bone fires and they would cast these bones of ancestors or whatever into them. And it was their way of saying goodbye and sending them on their journey um, with the flame and everything so that um, they wouldn't be haunted by them during the darkest nights of winter. So kind of an interesting story. Don't know if that's true or not, but. Uh, I'm, I'm Googling it. It looks like that's like that's dead on there, Bill. That's yeah. fantastic. The nice. uh, Macmillan Dictionary confirms. Ah, excellent. Yeah. Middle, right. it's a Middle English word. Nice. All right, job, so there Bill. you go. So Not fake news. Yeah, so start your, start your bonfires and get ready for the longest, darkest night of our lives, uh, if you believe the, uh, the, the scientists, which I tend, tend to believe. Um, <clears throat> so anyway, so then we have, uh, in addition to Vala's, um, we have uh, Ranch of Terror is open, uh, Scary Acres, Camp Fear, um, Hillside Horror. Let's see what else we got. As a high note on the Ranch of Terror, if yeah. people are really trying to avoid internal, like haunted houses, but still have the experience, they have hay rack rides. Mm -hmm. So you get to stay in the open air if that's more comfortable for people trying to play it COVID safe. Also, nice. uh, the corn mazes were prob would probably be pretty good this year. Yep. I know Scary Acres has a corn maze. We should probably mention Scary Acres. Um, that's... Uh, Always a lot of fun. They usually have those open area bonfires there as well. Um, and let's see, what else? Uh, Ew. <laughs> yeah, that's some pretty creepy stuff okay. there. Okay. And then uh, we got Haunted Hollow. I, I understand Mystery Manor is closed, right? That is correct. Mystery Manor is closed. Um, let's see. Even Hills the ghosts don't want COVID. Right. Uh, Hillside Horror. And where is that located, Jenna? Hillside Horror is that in Iowa? Uh, yep, Glenwood, Iowa. Glenwood, okay. And uh, Ranch of Terror. Let's see, what's Linda bring? Oh, there's Hillside House of Hell. Ooh, the that looks, sacrifice. Looks like a lot of fun. Okay. Airiowa.com. And. Um, Let's see, uh, Camp Fear. I don't know, I'm not sure where that's located. Must be around Omaha somewhere. And it's around Omaha. I'm not sure the exact location, but it, it was labeled as Omaha. Okay. Coming as fast as I can. Hold on. That's fine. <laughs> um, we also have uh, Haunted Hollow. I mean, we can just put a list of links for our viewers yeah. in the description later. Yeah, plenty Honestly. of creepy stuff out there to go see. And there's a couple of sites in Lincoln we can mention quickly uh, the Roca Berry Farm and uh, Eagle Hollow Haunts. And of course, um, uh, if going out and being scared out of your mind is not something that you uh, crave, but you still like a little bit of the Halloween flavor, you can always go down to the old Omaha's Old Market and uh, visit the, uh, the Monster Club, which is a nice restaurant, good burgers, great drinks. And um, actually, uh, Stu is drinking uh, out of a, a glass from that he got from there. They have a commemorative glasses throughout the Halloween season with different creatures on them. So each week is a new creature, right? You've got last week's was Wolfman. And what's this week's, Stu? Uh, this, this week's is a female vampire who I think is 
more or less modeled after Carol Borland in the 1935 movie Mark of the Vampire, or Elvira, as you as you may prefer. And then as the weeks go on, it'll be uh, The Mummy, uh, Frankenstein, Dracula. Oh, so, yeah, nice. The I, classics. And for anyone who's not comfortable, you know, eating out right now, which is perfectly fair, you know, please consider just getting your to-go orders from them. Um, let's help keep a local business going so that when you are ready to get back out and enjoy their fun atmosphere, they're still here. Yeah, especially a phenomenal local business. If you've never been to the Monster Club, it's really a cool place. Mm-hmm. And, and they I, do have they do have an outdoor patio there, but it is kind of small. I can also endorse the place. One thing that they will do if, if you if you are indoors is if you request a movie to be put on, they'll they'll, they'll put it on for you. Oh, that's cool. They're nice. Doing horror movies continuously with the, with the sound off. So every once in a while, I'll go in there and, and request a silent film, so you're not really missing much if you don't have the sound. <laughs> ah, nice. So they so, have quite a variety then. They do, or you can bring your own in. Of all they, oh, I remember okay. I remember handing one of my requests over to the bartender, and she looks me right in the eye and says, "Is it rated R?" And I looked at it and said, this movie was made in 1931. So probably not. <laughs> Is it, will they not do rated R? Pardon me? Will they not no. do rated R? They won't do, I, I know they won't do radar before a certain time. Well, there uh, are kids in the establishment. That, that so. does seem prudent. Yeah. Yeah. There's, that probably there's means... a lot of, like, sometimes it's not the slasher horror, it's the boobies everywhere horror. Right. <laughs> So that probably means the X-rated stuff is right out. <laughs> yes, Bill, you'll have to leave that collection at home. <laughs> nice. Probably for the best as well. Yes, probably. All right. Well, um, I think uh, we should probably move on and talk about <clears throat> some of the fun stuff that's uh, streaming this month. Um, did you uh, did you want to mention the Museum of Shadows though? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Tell us about that. Who knows about that best? I know a bit about it. I I haven't formally visited. I've I've been by one of their locations. This place has moved around quite a bit in the last five years or so. It was originally in Elmwood, Nebraska, which and I am banned from that town, so I couldn't really visit when I went. What did you do? Okay, first there's a story here, and then tell us the story of how you got banned from this town. (laughs) Well, we'll we'll come back to that. Let's let's just say it wasn't something I did, but. But yeah, there, there's a, no, that, that, that's not happening. And um, <laughs> well, it wasn't technically something I did. And uh, then they moved to uh, Plattsmouth, Nebraska, which was, you know, had, had a historic downtown. It was a, probably a better fit for them. It was a newer, little, little bit newer building, but they, they, they assured us that it was very old and had all sorts of, of spectral uh, attachments to it. But now just this year, I think probably just before the pandemic started, they moved to probably their most appropriate home, which was recent, which was targeted for the bulldozers a few years ago. And it was saved. It's the spec building on one, uh, 1110 uh, Douglas Street. It's that, that building that looks like it's just a part of it, where the rest of the building has been torn away. It's just one narrow portion left. It has the, one of the original wrought iron facades out front. It was built in 1884. Mm. So it, it is a his, an, an historic building. There's definitely a certain historical ambiance around it. So, and so they're, like I said, it's their third home where they brought their, their artifacts and they have a sort of a challenge where you go, you can sit in a haunted room or room with various and sundry artifacts in it for 10 minutes. And if you can make it through, you get some sort of designation. 
but, but I, I haven't actually paid to enter the place yet. I, I'm, I'm a, a little squiffier on that sort of thing, but if, if that's the sort of thing that you enjoy against, it's not a local business. So there's, there, there is that. So it sounds like a uh, road trip um, material, Jenna. Road trip. <laughs> the movie ends. It, it, it ends with a nice drink of the monster club right down the road. Yes. The, there you go. Right around the corner. The listen, spooks will appreciate that. Listen, I've spent the night in the Velisca Axe Murder House and was fine. I think so, I could handle the Museum of Shadows. I just yeah, don't think they want you, Bill, because they don't want to listen to the puns for the rest of eternity if they take you. <laughs> I'm so, not sure that Bill has, Bill so far hasn't earned that reputation with me. It's everyone else makes puns and then blames them on Bill. Yes, I you. think it Stu's gotten to the point. No, you you deserve the blame, for, even for there's puns the, you don't do. It's somehow it's your fault, man. There's the Velisca Axe Murder House. I've been there several times. Yes, I heard it's for sale, right? No, I, I don't. I hadn't think heard that. So. Oh, I thought it was for sale. Could could be. She is. So, I, but uh, there was a, a entire family. Uh, well, mother and father, and like what five kids were uh, beheaded uh, with an axe. Uh, the mother and father, four of their sons, and they had they were hosting two little girls from a church program. Right. Day it was like, well, they'll stay with us. And we'll get them back in the morning. And that morning, well, the the neighbors noticed the, the uh, animals hadn't been fed and so forth. So they called the brother, and the brother got to the place. It was locked. He got in with his key because his brother, and he went in and he found the and he found this scene. Huh. But the the worst part of that entire story to me. Is that the two little girls' mother are, are like, my goodness, what's going on? You know, where are my daughters? Why haven't they gotten back home yet? And so she, you know, calls the operator because those days you couldn't direct call. You call the operator, and they connect you to the home. Calls the operator and says, "Can you, you know, can you please ring uh, this house?" I keep forgetting the, first, the last name. And she said, "Oh, I can't ring that house. They've all been killed." Oh. That's how she found out that her daughters died. Oh my That's, god. That would have been rough. Yeah. One of the leading theories is that they were like uh sedated. Uh and Bill's been in the house. I've been in the house. Bill, you gotta realize they had to have been knocked out because there's no way that you wouldn't hear it. That house is tiny, real small. So so you're saying like they think maybe there was another unknown guest that no, that, that the guest snuck in and put like a knockout potion into their 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 dinner, their well, water. and then came back later because most of them were beaten to death with an axe, the the back end of an axe. So it's like, and you, you can't do that quietly. So yeah, I I I would somewhat disagree with that, John, just because I mean I, I'm not you saying have experience beating people to death with the backside of an axe. Well, I've experience <laughs> with that room. Um, the the mother and father slept at the top of the, the very top of the only stairs. It's small. It's a small house, very small house. Mm -hmm. and it's not put together real well either, by the way. No, it's not. Um, as you go, the mothers and fathers slept at the very top of the stairs. And so if he, if he would have killed them first, there's really no nowhere for them, for them to go. It's like, boom, 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 you're dead. And then the, the four sons who are all under the age of 10, they're all very small children, to just to the left of the parents' bedrooms. So to try to get out, they would have had to have gone through the sky with an axe. Mm-hmm. And they're on the second floor. 
there's really nowhere unless they bail out of a second show. There's really nowhere for them for to go. Boys to go. Right. And, but there and, were and, and the there were a couple of kids in the downstairs bedroom, right? Yeah. The the the, 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 the two girls who were guests were downstairs, and possibly they could have gotten out if the doors were locked. They may not have had any way in way to unlock the door. But they wouldn't have, have been beds. You would think they would have even tried to hide in the rooms. Could have been. Well, and we don't know what happened that night. Well, they, yeah. were, they, they, were, they were laid out just flat on their backs, though. It's like it was it was just like like they've been sleeping. This is see, when you go and do the tour, there's a lady here there that actually talks about the history of the house and how weird it is uh, that they didn't seem to move. They're all laid out nicely. They could have been put in that position by the killer. But it's like a lot of mysteries. Serial killers are known to pose their victims. Um, there is a book out now, which I am embarrassed to say I haven't read yet, by, of all people, um, I don't know if we have any fans here or not, Bill James and his daughter. You know who, anybody here know who, who Bill James is? What else no. has he written? Bill James is one of the premier writers about baseball of the oh. last 40 years. Hmm. Uh, most of these, many, not most of these uh, really advanced statistics you see people throwing around baseball now, like on-base percentage, uh, wins above replacement, started with, with, uh, uh, with Bill James. And he and his daughter have done this book about, um, they have a, a fellow ID'd as the person they thought did the ballistic killings and thought oh, wow. the same fellow who did, they think did the uh, Hinterkaifeck killings in Germany. Uh, a few years later, they they can trace his movements. They think they know who the who the guy is. But I haven't, I haven't read the book yet. You could just see seeing patterns where none are where none exist. But and and I would challenge anyone who would think that it starts to sound too elaborate. It doesn't sound right. Read Devil in the White City about um, the the real life events of H H Holmes. And and I don't even think they're sure if that's even was his name. Um, but it's about a guy who literally created a hotel of murdering specifically to murder people in the oh, Chicago yeah. World's Fair. He had like a tunnel of network, a network of tunnels and peepholes and all that stuff, didn't he? Yeah, ways trap that like doors, he would, yeah, yeah no, trap doors, suffocation, gas, like ways to like quickly dispose bodies. And he would, um, so they never caught on to what he was building. He would like get you know fame getting angry at a contractor and fire them and hire a new contractor to pick up so no one really knew what the whole building was about since it was made by so many different people mm. and it like he had a whole master plan and he's like catfishing uh rich wealthy women and seducing them and you know getting their money and like it was it was so elaborate and so crazy. And you have to keep in mind, like this is happening in the 1893 World's Fair. It is just like the trouble he went through without the internet to look this shit up. <laughs> yeah. Right. So uh, the book that you're talking about, Stu, I think is The Man from the Train. Man from the Train. Uh, by, by Bill James. Yeah, uh, and, Bill and, and his daughter. I think his daughter actually did most of the work. I'm not sure. Uh, Rachel McCarthy James. So, yeah, yes. And, and, the, and the book that Jenna's talking about is The Devil in the White City by Eric Larson. Yep. Hmm. Like, it, it, he's a journalist, but what the, he was able to put together, um, 
was so impressive that they had it in my college history class. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely a history book. Uh, Larson spoke at at the uh, Creighton University uh, Department of History lecture a couple of years ago, and uh, it, it, it's interesting because he he won't do a project. He's done now. He has several books in print. I, I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm nine or ten. He won't do a project unless he has an archive so rich that he can verify almost detail in the project. Most most historians, you know, we've got a this, we've got a little, and we try and piece it together. Yep. And sometimes we you have to flat make it up because there's the details just don't exist. You can only sort of reason what they what might have happened or was most likely to have happened. He won't. He has these crazy little anecdotes in there. I'm like, you had to have made that up. You had to have. have formulated that because who would have said something that trivial he's like no no that was all the all the documentation mm. and yeah, yeah his his books are extremely detailed extremely well researched but it's interesting it's like this what is american culture and then you start getting into the dark folk culture of america american history and you know a lot of people think about the east coast you know with legend of sleepy hollow and 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 all of that but there really is what came afterward in the Midwest. I mean, especially because you do have these random crazy murders and, and these events that it, it really is fascinating, I think, just the, the things that go bump in the night in the Midwest. So, Jenna, would you spend Jenna, the night in the heard? Villisca X murder house? Would I? Yeah. No. no. I just... Uh, I Not even for the purposes of research? No, I you just, wouldn't. You wouldn't go in there with a Ouija board and try to make contact. I'm good, bro. Good. <laughs> uh, I, I I wouldn't pay the money to to do it because it's it's, it's a little on the inside. What was funny was I I went to the Wilson Axford House right when it opened back in the early '90s, mm. and that yeah, in that case, a Darwin Lynn was the guy who had, who had bought it, and he had had a little itty bitty for a dime museum in town for years. Mm-hmm. And he bought it with, with the express purpose that he was going to open it to the public. And a lot of people in Bliska are very, well, as, as Bill as Bill and John can attest, are very hostile to this oh, idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They don't I like it. They didn't know. like it. And they actually, we went in uh, in uniform the, with a paranormal troop that I go with from time to time. And they wouldn't serve us at the convenience store. Oh, wow. Because we are paranormal investigators. And it's like, yeah, they, they a lot of the people in the town do not like the whole Velisca house. Yeah, they probably mm. like it less now. When when, when Darwin was doing it, he he focused on there was no haunting aspect to it at all. He was entirely focusing on the history and the, mm-hmm. the trial, everything about it. And and since he has passed, um, I, I, his wife is the one who was running it last time I was there. Um, she she said, "Well, that's all well and good, but the the haunting stuff is what pays the bills." Yeah. Well, that kind of surprises me, John, because you would think that a small town like that would welcome the influx of tourism because they'd be able to sell all kinds of stuff. You know, it'd keep their business, their restaurants running. Exactly. Why, why wouldn't they welcome that? Right. There's, there's probably a a number of small towns around the country that would, uh, I guess, sell their souls to have some haunted attraction there that might attract people. And this is a national, this is like the, one of the top 10 uh, desired uh, ghost hunts on mm-hmm. people's lists. So it's like, it's huge. I don't know why the town doesn't embrace it. Like Roswell did with the UFO. 
Right. Roswell has become all about UFOs, man. It's like, well, the UFOs are kind of fun and campy, whereas little girls it, and boys getting murdered in their yeah, beds. Yeah, it's not a happy thing that you're embracing. It's like, I, hey, I, come and see the murder house. I would suspect. <laughs> I, I know out in Washington State, um, and I can't think of the town, but the town where like Twin Peaks was shot. Mm-hmm. I was listening to a story probably a couple of years ago how like the high schoolers there would have bad luck that would match the movie that was shot in their minds anyway. So a lot of times their bad luck's blamed on blamed on these folk stories Mm. that happens later. So I, I could see a small town if uh if the murder had happened that none of us would care about now. But they'd still blame it on the folkiness that's, you know, because uh, yeah. I know this happened with movies, just from movie sets being, a, a, yeah. a, you know, they've affected Snow- whatever that is, the, the, psych, the psyche of the people there. Snoqualmie. Yeah, yeah. Snoqualmie Falls. All right. So now let's talk a little bit about some of the streaming stuff. So uh, has anyone other than Linda and I seen uh, Hubie Halloween, the new comedy with Adam Sandler? I, <laughs> but it, what is that? I saw it on like I was going paging through Netflix for stuff. Yeah, other stuff. Yeah, I, I watched it. It's your typical uh, Adam Sandler, bad Adam Sandler movie. Yeah, but it's like what is it like one of those fun Halloween movies? Like yeah, it like like on either the Family Channel or the Disney yeah. Network. Where it's Halloween time. Yeah, Ernest saves your, Halloween. Right. Yeah, it's your that typical. Is a great movie. It, Don't even. It, mm. So it's it's your typical, yeah, it's your typical d- dopey, you know, Adam Sandler character um, that, uh, you know, gets picked on by everybody in the town and he ends up becoming and he talks the, like Adam Sandler. Yeah. And he ends up that stupid voice. It's like, and he ends up saving the town and, you know, becoming the hero kind of a thing and getting the girl, you know, this beautiful, attractive girl that, uh, was recently divorced from the town sheriff. And so, you know, it, it's, 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 you know, fun, mindless entertainment. So it's an Adam Sandler movie. Exactly. So if you like Adam Sandler, you'll probably love it. Um, What's interesting, there's gotta be a backstory behind this movie though. I've, I've heard something about Adam Sandler's career over the last 20 years that after punch truck love said, okay, here's what I'm going to do for the rest of my life here is most of my movies are going to basically be vacations. Yeah, yeah, that's what I've heard. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna have an excuse to take my friends to usually to Hawaii or Tahiti or Acapulco or <laughs> or you know someplace where it's a, where it's a great time to be there. And we're gonna make a movie that's gonna make enough money to cover our vacation costs and make a make a profit for the going to the next one. Right. And so I'm so this this one's set up in New England. I'm thinking somebody must have said, you know what, I'd like to take a vacation in New England. So okay, we'll make a movie up there. Yeah. Well, also let's have fun Halloween time too. Great scam if you can work it out. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's definitely not going to be a Halloween classic, but you know, like, you know, it's me, good I, I COVID entertainment. A scam like that. What's that, Jenna? I can get behind a scam like that versus a Wall Street scam that causes you know thousands of people to lose their retirement. Right. I mean, yeah, if you want to take it that dark that fast, <laughs> sure. <laughs> so this isn't Halloween Enron, so that's good. You know yeah. what you get into it's not like 
an Adam Sandler movie is a, a, a surprise. No, right. You kind of know what you're getting into when you start it. So, and then uh, the other one that's uh, popular right now on Netflix is The Haunting of Bly House. And what's that? Is it Bly Manor or Bly House? Bly Manor. Bly Manor. Bly Manor. Sorry, Bly Manor. Um, yeah, so I think Linda and I are five episodes in already, and uh, it's it's uh, it's really good. Um, very well done, very well acted, uh, very mysterious. A lot of strange things going on, and uh, it's it's good, uh, creepy stuff without being uh, bloody and gory. So um, it's kind of uh, and I'd like to live in that house. Yeah, it's kind of more of a psychological. <laughs> Uh, horror kind of a thing um but yeah the house is full of different kinds of ghosts we don't know a lot about them yet um the only thing that we do know that's kind of uh that you see in the first episode there's uh one of the ghosts uh is that the the little girl that you saw running there in one of the earlier clips linda showed um she's got like a uh this dollhouse that's almost an exact replica of Bly Manor. And she has all these self-made dolls that she's put in there. And um, nothing spooky about that. No. And, uh, but uh, they're, they're not normal dollhouse characters. They're all creepy effigies of different things. And, um, you know, it just looks kind of weird at the beginning, but as you find out, she's got special places that certain figures have to be in and for certain reasons that, that become evident later on. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's weird. And, and, uh, the last episode we watched episode five was probably the strangest of all. Um, yeah, there's uh there's kind of a close up picture of the dollhouse and one of the characters, um, on the right there. Um, but yeah, there's all kinds of weird, weird characters in that house and the, and the weird thing is is as at night as some of the characters are walking through the house you'll see hints of some of these shadowy characters that she has in the dollhouse in the background and that makes it even creepier so um yeah it's uh, there's a lot of stuff going on the, the last episode was the strangest one you'll watch it and through the whole thing you're like what in the what? F is going on here? Did did so, you guys watch the haunting of Hill House? Yes. yes. Yeah, and I love that too. And this is along the same type of vein. Well, it's that the one same. It's the same series, like the same showrunners and a few of the same actors. Mm -hmm. Same but, producer, yeah. 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 Most horror things don't really actually scare me, but the haunting of Hill House. Yeah. <laughs> Man, well, this, I, I needed to watch some cartoons after that every time. Yeah, this it, this it, one's the same type of thing. Go ahead, Stu. Sorry. The the ending of the house, Awning of Hill House, didn't scare me so much. Now, I'll bring up why probably later. Okay. All right. Have you watched? Have you been watching the Bly Manor, Stu? Yeah. Yeah, I got that started. Um, it, like um, I, I was like, boy, this sure looks like William James and. Linda says, oh, Stu, that's because it's based on William James. I'm like, well, I guess that would be a good good reason why I would look like William James. Yeah. How far are you in? I'm only I'm only um, like one and a half episodes in. Oh, um, okay. it, it certainly appeared to me as though 
at, at the risk of sounding terribly sexist, like as though it was something that was uh, folk, um, probably aimed a little, a little more at women, a little gentler, more the horror really of, of child rearing, because as anyone who's spent a lot of his personal time with kids can tell you that's the, those little sons of guns can be, be pretty scary at times. And the real and, um, monsters were children all along. <laughs> and that's why it's such a Right. And, and, and because of the scenery point, I mean, because you will, yeah, I, I agree completely with the, the settings. You will want to live in that house. That is yeah. a beautiful, beautiful. Right. Like, if there is anything I learned from a young age, don't trust dollhouses, especially old dollhouses, because for whatever reason, when, before I was even middle school, the programming in my English class had us read the secrets in the attic, which ended up being like the story about this girl who goes to her aunt's house, who has a dollhouse in the attic that she hasn't taken down since her parents were murdered. Uh. And like the things start moving around. They made a movie off of it and like, you know, and yeah. it's because the ghosts of the murdered grandparents are trying to tell the granddaughter what really happened and where the clues are uh, to their murders. And it's like really dark. And looking back, I'm like, why did they have like pre-middle school kids reading this book? Right. So Jenna, if you were in an antique store and you saw an old doll house, would you buy it? Depends on how it felt when I touched it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there are very few things that Sage can't can't help out, but like, there's the uh, there's foyer some... of the house, the Bly Manor. Yeah, take all the yeah. Sage in the world for that. Right. Like, for example, uh, when Aaron and I went down to Louisiana, uh, there was a Cedar Hope chest in his grandmother's house. And it wasn't even in the house. It was in like the side garage. And this is from New Orleans. Mm. And it's an antique, beautiful Cedar Hope chest. And, you know, his mother said I could have it. And, you know, being a little house on the prairie fan and pioneer days, that was always an essential heirloom for young women is a hope chest, right. especially Cedar. So I was like, yeah, this is, this would be wonderful. I'd love to have it. And it seemed okay. Felt okay. Um, brought it back didn't really think much about it it's still in the garage and it just wasn't a couple of days like Aaron and I just kind of shadows out of the corner of our eyes like things I actually heard footsteps at one point down the hall hmm. when he was in the bed with me like it just it started the house didn't feel the same burn some sage you're not whatever's here you're not welcome here and the house felt fine again Hmm. they're just i think and it could not it doesn't have to be anything intelligent i just think sometimes things hold impressions that yeah yeah one thing that a ghost hunter any ghost hunter will tell you is never investigate your own house because what do you do <laughs> you're stuck there it's like yeah. what if you find something what do you do honestly well, how does sage how does sage cleanse a house what is it about sage that works? See, that that's an interesting thing. I've always wondered about that because ghost hunters swear by it. And I, and I love how it smells. I really do. But it's like, uh, it's a, it's it's a, it's an American plant. Um, um, I honestly think it's just pure, it's channeling of will and intention. Whatever may be dead, it can't possibly be as powerful as someone who's living. 
And if you have a method to channel your intention and will and cast something out and command it, because it makes you feel like a placebo, mm. like if it gives you a placebo to overwhelm whatever is in the house, whether it's real or imagined um, or intelligent or not, I think it's that channeling of intention. You know, Jenna, I've been looking for an explanation for a long time, and that is that is better than anything I've ever come up with. That is actually very concise. I like that. That works so, really well. It yeah. says it's uh, can clear up to 94% of airborne bacteria in a space and disinfect the air. It releases negative ions. It's a strong enough smell for a do-over. <laughs> I mean, it could just be ghost allergies. Yeah, there you go. Maybe. I do know like Plains natives in this area love it a lot for uh, cleansing purposes. In fact, we had a, a teacher at UNO named uh, that we we lovingly called Big Mama, and Big Mama always uses sage, and the, the security was always following her around because they they thought she was smoking marijuana. <laughs> well, yeah. I think this actually leads us very naturally into our next topic of the following the following or breaking the rules of horror stories, which uh, we brought Stu on to talk about. So. Let's <laughs> Well, that was something because that's one reason that um, I mean, I, I liked the show. Don't get me wrong, I, I love *Hunting of Hill House*, but towards the end, I mean, should, should, should I do, should I do a spoiler or, or no? Well, *Haunting of Hill House* has been out long enough. I think we can spoil that and well, get people excited I'll, about possibly the next it. one. Yeah, I'll, I'll leave it. I'll, I'll leave it vague, but let's just say they kind of figure out how everything works, mm-hmm. and to me, that's. That kind of stops. It kind of stops being scary at that point. Uh, when you, where you're like, oh, okay, that that's how this thing works. Well, once you figure out the rules, well, then it's not scary anymore. That's something you can you can handle. Uh, horror, I think, I think sort of works on the idea of the unknown. I, I saw your your podcast um, a, a couple of weeks ago on H.P. Lovecraft, and that was really the roots of of his story of his of his horror. Really, was that he as as an individual had a lot of things in his life that he just didn't understand and he didn't want to understand them because they scared him. I, I, I believe his, his own, his radiator was one of them. He didn't understand how a radiator worked and scared him. So he wrote a scary story about it because he didn't understand it. And what, once you start to understand something, then it's like, okay, it stops being most for the most part, stops being real scary and start becoming more of a challenge. I have to laugh because then you have to wonder all the elements in which women are terrifying. He doesn't understand how women work, so he writes horror stories about them. Right, right. <laughs> women, minorities, you know, anything, anything beyond his, anything outside of his, of his neighborhood, he didn't understand, and so it was all just absolutely horrifying. Anything from, from India, anything from Africa was was all dark and terrible, and mysterious. He didn't understand it. Scared the crap out of him because, well, it was H.P. Lovecraft. Yeah, yeah. Um, Katie had a wonderful line about it, which I, I won't repeat, which is fine. But, yeah, but um, part of the thing about, about horror is that it's, you know, people try to, people, especially people who are coming from sci-fi or fantasy backgrounds, kind of tend to try and kind of put these things in the box. Vampire do this, can a vampire do that? Does this work? Does that work? You know, how does sage work? How often should you do sage? And uh, for the most part, you know, it's sometimes in, in horror, it's best to, to leave those sort, of, those, sort of thing, those sort of things nebulous. Because in a sci-fi or fantasy universe, you, can, you have entire dictionaries and grammars dedicated to Klingon or Dwarven. Mm-hmm. And these are real things. I heard an anecdote from a 
a, a married couple who met at a con and he didn't speak um, Japanese and she didn't speak English. And so for their first few weeks of their relationship, they communicated in Klingon. And then huh. that they became, and they're now happily married. That is the most awesome <laughs> thing I've ever heard. Uh, that warms the nerdy cockles yeah. of my heart. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That needs to go on a, on a t-shirt, Beth. Kaplah. That, that needs nerdy. to go on as, as somewhat evidence. There's somebody out there for everybody. You just got to be open to the right scenario. Exactly. Exactly. And, and horror, there are people who will try to put in that kind of the box, but for the most part, a lot of horror films a lot of, and horror literature kind of makes up the rules as it goes along. Uh, the, the first Anne Rice uh, novel, Interview with the Vampire, that's the, the frustration, and this isn't particularly horrifying, but, but it is what you use, that the, this new vampire, Louis, goes through most of the novel, and he doesn't know the rules, and he can't figure out what the hell they are. Like, you know, why am why does this work? Why are we this way? And I don't know. And that's and that's, that's very frustrating. And uh, it, it, so it's a big vampire story. If you know all the rules, well, this guy's, you know, he's, he's going to, uh, he's powerless during daytime. You drive a stake through his heart, that'll, uh, that'll kill him. Garlic, keep him out of room, blah, blah, blah. That all worked perfectly. Are we really not so Pardon me? Are we sparkly? Any any other <laughs> various things yeah, exactly. can be, yeah, yes, yeah, um, stuff uh, stuff like that. Well, that's not scary anymore. It's it's kind of like COVID. It's kind of like the pandemic, kind of like COVID nineteen. Like okay, if you wear your mask, you wash your you wash your hands, you don't touch your face, you so you don't uh, be around other people anymore. You absolutely have to. You know, I mean, and when you do have to, you know, maintain social distance. Blah blah blah. It becomes a lot less scary because you know how it works. If you well, don't know how. It scares the crap out of you. Then it's it, it um it, it's a little bit scarier. I'm, I'm sorry, Jen. That's a perfect example. I think. Like think about February, March, when COVID. We have no idea what the repercussions are, the long effects, what really protects us, what doesn't. How terrifying it was. And now we know like mask work, UV light in the daytime tends to hit it. Help open air is fine. Um, if you don't have a pre-existing condition, for the most part, you should be fine. Like there's a lot less fear because of how quickly we were able to find stuff out compared to people in ages past when a new disease would pop up. Uh, mm -hmm. Not to downplay COVID because it is not something to be downplayed. It's just the less mystery, obviously, the more manageable it becomes. Yeah. So, and, and a lot of, a lot of horror uh, film and literature, and probably we're talking more about movies now because that's more, more the flavor of the, uh, of the podcast, they tend to change the rules a lot. And that's one of the it's almost, it's almost become a cliche now in vampire movies. Like, hey, you've watched too much TV, kid. You know, you think you know these rules about vampires. Um, Christopher Lee's vampire movies back in the, uh, back in the 60s, the, the Hammer film, 60s and 70s, they, they'd invent new crap about that vampire, about him pretty much every, every movie that would have some, some bearing later on. Um, yeah, probably the scariest one, especially considering most of the folks in this group, is yeah, this movie called uh, Dracula Has Risen from the Grave, where he gets where Dracula gets staked pretty early on. You know, stake goes right through his heart, and he's then he's done her. And then this priest says to the guy who staked him, "Now you have to pray." He says, "I'm, I'm an atheist," and he's already established to be an atheist. I'm like, "I can't pray. I'm, I'm an atheist. What are you talking about?" 
And Dracula looks at him as a stake right out. He says, oh, you can't, you can't just be a stake. You also have to invoke the power of God or something to kill the vampire, which has never been mentioned before. Right. Yeah. But that's something that Star Trek couldn't get away with that. You can't say the dilithium yeah. crystals only work if you, if you, if you, if you pray over them. That, that's not going to work. That's not, not going to happen. Um, you know, so sci-fi or, or I'll think really Tolkien probably can get, can get away with that. Like, oh, oh, ring only, only affects you if you're of, if you have some sort of predisposition. Like, no, no, we set the rules of the ring and you're going to fall within. Um, in, in vampire stories, horror stories, no, we're going to break the rules every single time. In, in the last big Dracula, real Dracula movie that, that Lee did, um, they mentioned earlier, oh yeah, the, the Hawthorne tree that provided Christ's crown of thorns is the weakness for the vampire. And so Christopher Lee ends up dying in a shrubbery, <laughs> which I which I, I absolutely absolutely floored me. Um, you get to um, uh, Return of the Living Dead, you know, which is you know the, the the satire sequel of Night of the Living Dead, and they come and say, okay, you destroy the brain, that'll kill him, right? Okay, so you um, so they, the first thing they do is they put an eye. Pickaxe right through this zombie's brain doesn't do a darn thing. You know, destroying the brain does nothing whatsoever to these, to these zombies. They just keep on killing. But now they want your brain, which is which is you do. So yeah, in, in horror, you're just constantly you don't have the the consistency that you have in, in other genres. You're just you're constantly introducing new things, changing the rules a lot to make it scarier. Like, oh my god, this doesn't hurt this guy. Oh my or, god, my I'm up the creek. Right. Or you cling to older rules with new reasons why. I, I like yeah. that kind of direction. So like Dracula 2000, as much people as people want to give it shit uh, with Gerard Butler, uh, to have Dracula actually be, be uh, Judas. Why? Judas. Judas. And just how the reason silver works is because he was paid in silver for Jesus's death. He was punished by God. He's a perversion of the Eucharist because of blood. Blood is the life. Like all of that. Uh, he is like a twisted version of Jesus intent on being lonely and suffering because of what he did. That was an interesting twist on a traditional movie and rules. Oh yeah. I just got this new one. I, I, I emailed Bill about this. Um, well, it's not new. The movie's 60 years old, but I, I saw it. This is the first vampire. This is the first horror movie I ever remember seeing. And I stayed up when I was probably about 10 years old, had a TV in my own little room. And it was called, it, it was my local station was starting to play classic horror movies. And I'm like, oh, good, I get to see this. I was like 10 years old, loved it. And it was a movie called Curse of the Undead. And so Vampire Western from 1959. At the time, this struck me as absolutely ridiculous. So I didn't even finish. I'm like, oh, what the heck is this thing? And then years, years later, I, I saw it again. I'm like, well, hey, this is actually a pretty unique take on things. Because I, by that time, then, then I knew more about vampire folklore. And this is, uh, the, the vampire is someone who becomes a vampire in more fol folkloristic way. He's a suicide. And in folklore, that's that's one of the you know top ten ways to become a vampire is to do something along along those lines. So he, he's someone who could commit suicide. Um, he can walk in daylight, but he usually doesn't because in, in the movie it hurts my eyes. So you so you don't you don't see him any, anymore. But he 
but he's not allergic to the to the to the day to the to the daylight. Right. Um, Andy, you know, there's there's no bats, there's nothing terribly supernatural about his behavior, um, except the you know, normal <laughs> bill. Isn't going to kill him. He's you know he. So people get the drop on him and shoot him first, and he's <clears throat> so he's this invincible gunfighter because bills because bills don't kill him. And it really is a heck of a take on on, on vampire folklore. It's it, it's a very flawed. It's a super low budget. And it's the only the the commentary said I wouldn't notice this, but you look at this the western swing the swinging doors of the saloon, and you're looking into a hallway. There they didn't even bother to backlight it to make it look like you're looking to the street. You're looking into literally up uh, um, a hallway. So yeah, it's um, it, it, guys... it a, it's, it, it, it's changing the rules. It's, 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 it's a heck of a take. But it's interesting that some of the rules don't seem to stick. So in other words, you know, when you, when you think about vampires, there's certain rules that we have all come to accept, right? They can't go out in daylight. Uh, they can be killed with a stake through the heart. They can't be seen in a mirror. There's there's things like these that seem to be passed down from way back, right? But then there's and then new... What's that? And Twilight got rid of every one of those. Yeah. yeah. yeah the stake doesn't work. They can walk around daylight all they want. They just... Park. Those are not vampires. Those are something else. But the so object. the... So at what point does something get introduced in the lore of a vampire or a werewolf or something like that, that what is it about something that get, gets introduced that maybe then sticks and then becomes an avid part of the legend going forward? Because I'm, I'm assuming that all of these things that we take for granted about vampires now didn't all start at the beginning, right? They were introduced gradually over time and they've become kind of an accepted core belief of what a vampire is but new stuff that you see happening like with the twilight series or other shows you don't seem to see a lot of that sticking and becoming permanent and maybe it has to do with copyright issues where you know they own the rights to this whole glittery vampire thing right and somebody else can't take that and move on maybe that maybe that's it i don't know if you know Stu, but and and, and then some stuff no it it, I think um, it just it kind of goes back to aesthetics. Like, what is going to make something stick? Like the mm -hmm. the whole sunlight, you know, disintegrating a vampire thing. Yeah, that's not any folklore at all. Right, and that's not any Victorian literature. That starts in in the movies, mm -hmm. it, and it's, it starts in Nosferatu, and it's part of a really actually a much longer ritual than that. And then it it gets taken up in the forties when by that time you have the production code in, they don't they aren't going to allow people to show stakes through the heart anymore. And so they say, oh, we'll have to think of a more antiseptic way of killing the vampire. That's when they bring in the sunlight. The sun hits and they just dissolve into a skeleton. And, and, you, and you get away from that. that, that that's the way to get, to get away from the sensors, to uh, get past the sensors. Mm. Um, it, it, in terms of like what's going to stick, what's going what's gonna to hit? But it's, I think it's, it, it's up to the, that's part of the enchantment of the writers. What's going to enchant um, the audience and be something that becomes memorable. And sometimes it's something stupid. Like we all, anybody who talks about a Romero style vampire today has a going around like, I'm going to eat your brains, brains like that. If you read the um, Sense and Sensibility and Vampires, the combination of Jane Austen and uh, Sense and Sensibility and Zombies, that's right. Combination of Jane, Jane Austen's and zombie uh, books. 
they're all about well, the the, vamp, the zombies eat brains. That's one movie, mm-hmm. but it was so it it hits so it it stuck it had such an impact that yeah. that, that it stuck. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah, who, who knows it's going to stick? Yeah, that's and the thing I, I find fascinating. I would still argue that Stephanie Meyer making these quote unquote vampires like it, they look they're more like Faye. I feel like she had so she was trying to create something. But because of whatever her background and literature and upbringing it was, instead of just making it something else, she chose an easy avenue and calling the vampires, even though they have the characteristics of so many other types of supernatural creatures. Yeah, I, I agree with you, especially because the in folklore, at least, which is what, that's what I'm more uh, <laughs> obviously vampires exist to be hunted. A vampire is what happens when. When you've got a problem, yeah, it's when you something you don't understand. When there's something, when people are dying in your village or in your community, and you need to do something, you're like, well, what's what's my scapegoat? What can I do? It's like, oh, it's the last guy who died. Let's go after the vampire. Vampires exist to be hunted and killed. That's 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 the, their their role in in folk culture and fire series. Humans just aren't a threat anymore. Their vampires are just, are just too powerful. And, so you know, it's it's yeah. great that they show the, Linda just flashed those. Uh, what we do in the shadows. Yeah, what we do in the shadows. Sorry, I'm having an issue with titles today. What I really impressed me from the get-go of that series is like the older vampires still looked like what they were back in the day. Because obviously you die as a vampire and you're preserved. So the guy who, like the guys who are from the ancient times, their teeth aren't right. They're kind of like gnarled. Their bodies aren't in good shape. So they're not attractive because mm-hmm. the time period they come from, they wouldn't be attractive now. Right. Like some of the newer ones can get away with it or hide it or, you know, maybe dress in modern clothes. But like some of the more ancient ones, they're just, they're, they're almost animalistic and they, they probably wouldn't be able to go out among people are there um, are there any other horror films that are out right now that uh, you guys are watching or so shutter uh, i broke down and i got it and it's just for the price if you love horror films it's really good uh they have a series going on right now called cursed films hmm. and they talk about all the movies that like hmm. an episode for each movie that's got a uh, cursed backstories such as you know poltergeist or um the exorcist Exorcist. like all of those so if you're if you're a horror movie fan and you've heard bits and pieces about haunted movie sets like charles brought up like this is a good series to get into and hear more about like that well new for halloween something that just came out on netflix that isn't really my cup of tea, but something that, that some of our, our listeners may may enjoy. There's a movie called what's it called? Uh, Vampires versus the Bronx that is mm-hmm. viewed on Netflix, and it's 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 really occasion. Um, these uh, very white aristocratic vampires move into this um, just to a black neighborhood in the Bronx, and it's about you know what, what's that community going to do to get rid of of these intruders before they ruin the place. That's is it a comedy or serious? It's a, it, it's essentially a comedy. Yeah. Okay. So when I first heard that title, I thought that maybe that was going to be 
Uh, do you guys remember A Vampire in Brooklyn with Eddie Murphy? I, I was yeah. about to bring that up. I, I wanted to like talk about that a little bit. That, I, that was a great movie. I enjoyed that as a vampire movie. I thought it was a great spin. And um, no, now that you describe uh, vampires versus the Bronx, like that's an even more interesting gentrification because gentrification is sucking out the, the life of what it was to bake it something new. Yeah, I don't think I've seen a, a vampire in Brooklyn since high school almost. I want to watch that again, see if it still holds up. So it's from Wes Craven. So you can have a little faith in that. It holds up somewhat well. And then um, it was made in 1995. So I was in fifth grade. So you would have been in seventh grade, I think, Seth. So yeah, it's been around for a hot minute. So there's a new game that came out that I like that's based on the thing. It's called Carrion. And you in the game, you play the role of the thing going through this facility and impersonating and eating and <laughs> growing your biomass to eventually escape Huh. Is that a board game or a video game? It's a video game. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's it is it, it'll it can squick you out too. It's got it, it, your the movement of the creature is all it's shooting tendrils out to drag yeah drag oh, wow. itself through these corridors and tunnels and all the. Mm -hmm all the scientists will they'll scream as you like drag them into your maw it's quite uh it's quite amusing huh. which goes back to the entire this entire fear of the unknown by the way with the thing is you know one of these movies that straddles sci-fi and horror but that, that that's one of the scariest movies out there I mean, and it's a scary mm -hmm. concept to think my god i don't here's my best friend my coworker for five years is standing right next to me and th this guy could be something entirely different who wants to kill me right now. That, that's that's absolutely terrifying. So an older video game, if Seth's going to bring up video games, but it's like one of the best horror movies in timelines, I think, even though it's a game, is Amnesia, The Dark uh, Descent. Amnesia, The Dark Descent. Um, like, it was so good and it was so terrifying at times that me and my neighbors when I was living in Dallas in grad school... Like we would take turns, someone would play and the rest of us would sit on the couch and watch. Mm. The storyline was so good. And what it is, is like you wake up in this house and you, you don't have any memory of your backstory, what you're doing, you're trying to find clues to what's going on. And there's something that comes at you if you have the light on, like a candlelight or whatever light. So you have to turn it out. But if you turn out the lights, you start to go insane more and more and that will kill you. So it's like you have to balance going insane versus keeping the light on and attracting whatever is going on and lurking in the house that's trying to seek you out. And there's that's and depending on the choices you make, the, the ending will vary. Well, uh, John, had, uh, John had sent me um, some... EVPs, electronic voice phenomenons that uh, he got from um, the ghost hunting stuff that he's involved in. The interesting thing is when you see this stuff on TV, at least to me, um, what bothers me about it is they they air these these recordings, but they always subtitle them so that 
you're reading what you're supposed to be hearing there. And of course, the the brain is a pattern matching machine. So if you're given a heads up as to what you're supposed to hear, then pretty much uh, that's what you're going to hear. So I thought we'd play a few of these. I've changed the file names to just be numbers so that it doesn't say what you're supposed to hear in there. And I thought I'd play a couple of these and see if anybody can tell me what uh, what you think you hear. So first uh, of all, we should probably explain what an EVP is. Go ahead, John. Uh, electronic voice phenomena. It's it is something uh, on an audio that shouldn't be there. Um, perhaps that nobody else heard when they were in the room. And and that's just it. It's like you're gonna hear these. There's there's a number of these EVPs that I gave to you, and it's like literally, um, you're gonna hear it and say to yourself, "Well, wasn't that someone that was there?" It's like, no. And it's like, how do I know? Because I'm the one that recorded this. And I know who was there. And so there's a subjective element to all EVPs. And you're also, uh, if we listen to these, you're going to have varying opinions on the interpretation, on what it's actually saying. So, but uh, you're going right, to start right. with number one. Yeah. So let's start with number one here. What I'll do is uh, let me share this. Anybody hear anything? Just yeah. somebody talking about the 60s. That's what I heard. Somebody move a jacket or something. You want to play 6.5 to 7.5 again, Bill? Or, or yeah. That is the EVP. That was not there. Like, honestly, it was so loud and so distinct. It sounded like whoever was talking before was pausing and saying, so, like, about to say something else. Uh -huh. Or well, did you know? It was kind of like an echo. I heard bellow. Oh, I'll play well. it from the beginning again. Let's see what. Yeah, given the context of the rest of the conversation, it's almost like someone's like, yeah, I didn't have cool stuff in the 60s. And there's a confirmation. No. <laughs> uh, right. Um, do you want to play the uh, amplified part? Sure. Yeah, sounds just like a voice, but I know for a fact that voice was not there. John? I think it says fell. fell. It sounds more like hello now, now that it's <laughs> and that's that's one of the interesting things about EVPs is that they're very subjective. People hear different things. They do. Right. Let's pull up the next one. Let's see. I'm gonna skip to a uh, number five. This one's a little if you'll notice, like there's it's very flat, which means there's this one was weird. I was not expecting to hear any sounds in this because of how flat the sound bars are, but there is something here. All right. You hear it? Yeah, that was a feminine. Yeah. You want to amplify just that? You want to hit just that part, though? Yeah. 
See, to me, that sounds more like meow, yeah. meow. Do you like, want to turn the amplified versions now? Sure. So yeah, that still sounds kind of like something going zoom. Yeah, zoom. That, that still sounds kind of like something going with uh, headphones. It sounds on, a little bit like they're saying, "Get out of here." Yeah. With headphones on, it sounds a lot different, kind of. But it's like what it sounds like to me is, "I died alone." So I didn't get that. Well, I know yeah. you're not wearing headphones, are you? Yeah, well, I'm wearing I'm wearing headphones, and I I wouldn't. I am, and I I got what Seth it. got. <laughs> I, yeah, I wouldn't have picked yeah. up any really anything from that. Just subjective. Yeah. yeah. All right. So I died alone is what you're supposed to hear. Let's play it. That's not really again. what it's like. Seth's right. Stu's right. I'm right. Everyone's right. It's, these are all. That's the trick of EVPs is that they're open ended and incredibly interpretive. Yeah. It's people hear what they hear. And it's like they're and no one's wrong. Right. But then is it anything, hear. though? Right. What? Is it anything if everyone's right? It, it, it is something. <laughs> is there it, any significance to it, though? Is there? It's, it, it's like there's no question involved. It's, it, if this is something saying something, then it seems like a weird little standalone thing. Um, uh, can you do the one right before that? Four? Yeah, num number four. Yeah. yeah. This one should leave very little room for uh, for error. Yeah, this one is, is very... Are you, are you Carolyn? That's communicating with us? Are you, are you Carolyn? That's communicating with us? So this sounds that... like background noise. <laughs> you want to emphasize the, the part where it's at? Yeah, where is it at? I can't, I it's can't about, tell. It's a... I think it's between six and seven. There it is. Right there. It's it's like somebody's talking outside the window or outside yeah. the area. It just sounds like background noise. You wanna you do the emphasize part? Or do that, yeah. That's right. That's right. right. Bird or something. <laughs> no, or or like a like a small small child or something. Try uh try the uh the amplified version. That one's really simple. That one's high. I was say okay. Yeah, I I I was hearing I was hearing two words. I was, I was hearing that's right, that's right. Yeah, it almost sounded to me like uh like a dog starting to bark. So here's what's interesting about, at least from my perspective, to us, it sounds like stuff that, you know, no matter what people are hearing, we're hearing something, but John yeah. is telling us that when he's there, that noise is not there. That noise is not and there. And that's, and that's every, fascinating. Every one of these sounds is not there when we are there. So yeah, that, I, we don't hear these until later. It's like, I'm sure you all note to yourselves, like, okay, we heard something outside here at this time. We heard something out there at that time. Oh, yeah. We have cross-reference with the videos later, just in case there's ambience. 
we, we're very meticulous about taking notes about all the things that, that okay, you'll notice we're talking and that's fine. We always tell people never whisper because whisper is when things, you can talk all you want. We can tell the difference between talking and EVPs, but it's like, these things are there and they're not, uh, they're not audible at the time. Do you want to, this one was freaky. You want to try one, two, three. Okay. This one freaks me out a bit. Um, it's a place down by my work. 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 Do you hear that's, it? That's creepy as fuck. There's something screaming. It just sounds like somebody breathing. <laughs> no, it sounds yeah, like a scream. Like a, to me, it sounds like a, a very deep inhale, like a like a COVID inhale, really. Well, it's like go yeah. all the way from go from the very beginning of the of the bulge. Uh, between zero and one, yeah, to the end of to the middle. That's way. what she said. I still don't, hear breathing. Don't listen to the guy's voice. Listen yeah, I'm to I'm not. It just sounds like a rasp to me. Yeah, breathing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, 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 I think I what you're talking about. It sounds a little bit like you know, kind of like you're hearing crowd, like a crowd yell in the back, like a yeah, like, almost I'm like a. Gross. Like it almost sounds like a crow, ah, that that loud calling that a crow would do, as if it's outside a window. Um, it's a place. Um, it's a place. Um, it's a place. What it kind of sounds like to me is like something being, uh, like a the pla planing of wood. Like you know, you yeah. take a plane and you shave a bit of wood off. That's yeah, what that's that noise it. sounds like to me. I can guarantee you there was no one planting wood. <laughs> or or maybe somebody sliding around on a on a chair or a bench or something, maybe? No, it was too high pitched for that. Or something being being dragged across the microphone is is, is what I was what I was getting asked. Is what? I don't even know where my microphone is on this machine, but you when you drag something across a microphone. You were sort of yeah, that. yeah oh, true. Nothing got drug across the right place. Um, it's a place. Um, it's a place. Um, it's huh. a place. yeah, I definitely awesome don't time. hear any any words in that. Like, oh no, maybe, there weren't there maybe were a no shoe words. being drug across concrete. No, there was no, no concrete. This was this was in an office. No, I didn't get like shoe on concrete or anything like that. Like it sounded organic, like a trill almost of an animal. Yeah. Do you want to do you want to try number two? Okay. Is there anybody at all that would like to give us a message tonight? Is there anybody at all that would like to give us a message tonight? Is there anybody at all that would like to give us a message tonight? Heartbeat? <laughs> so there's something here at the end. Yeah, I know. And I, it's like, to me, it sounds like Connie or Tammy. Oh, actually, if you go to this amplified, the last amplified one, that's that one. See that that one is the one that most sounds like a voice to me so far. Yeah. Well, that that wasn't anyone that was there. I I guarantee you, but it's like 
Did you hear the rumbling? Yeah, it yeah, like this almost sounded like a machine or something to me. Mm -hmm. It did. It sounded like a machine or like yeah. a little push cart. And that NAS sound wasn't there? Yeah. No, it was not. Because that's was... fucking loud. I know mm -hmm. it is. It, and it freaked me out when I was listening to it because I was there when this was recorded. Um, and that, that sound was not there. It sounds well, like machines downstairs. Like during, during high school, like the, the passing time when everyone's traveling up downstairs in, in, in high school. That's what sounds yeah. like. I, I don't know why you're talking about high school, but. You know, here's the thing the that kind of makes. Time, like the passing, when the bell rings and you're trying to get between. Yeah. Because it's got the sound and the chaos of people trying to move. Between this was you. at two in the morning. Um, so no. And we're guessing not, but that's. Like you know. Yeah, I swear to God, this that sound was not there. And inside the whole building, there was like uh, us, and it's like there was about five of us. So that's well, crazy. And here's the here's something that I think about when I listen to these two is that you know I've got um, those Nest cameras out around my house, right? And they have the night vision mode on them, and so a couple of the cameras kind of overlap their view in such that one camera can see the other camera. Now, when I'm out there at night looking around, the cameras just look like objects sitting there. But if I turn on and I look at one camera's view, I will see a bright light, the night vision imaging being sent out from the other camera. So it's like a, it's almost like a flashlight. But yet when I'm out there in person, I don't see that. And so I have to wonder if some of these electronic devices that are recording this are picking up sounds that are maybe not picked up by the human ear. The other, the other thing up. is uh, this uh, wave interference is a real thing with sound. I mean, I remember doing uh, sound cancellation experiments in physics. And so that would, that would also be dependent upon where you were and also where the yeah, also recording device was, so, right? Well, there can be a sound going on in the room and your head's in a position where you're not able to hear it and it can be awfully loud, but yeah. you're not hearing it. But six inches over the mic or somebody else, they are hearing it. And or it can even be 12 inches over. It could actually be even more amplified. Yeah. Right. Play, play that, uh, that, that, that uh, rumbling again. Because, I mean, I, I, I dig where you're coming from, but... The th whatever made that sound, it 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 wasn't in the room. Well, yeah, but if you look, I think. Because those peaks are about peaking where the voice level was. I should have heard that. Well, I'm not. Well, here's the thing. I'm not entirely sure on this because sound's not my thing. Well, but... no, that's, that's that's another thing I wanted to bring up. I I know a sound engineer. And I asked him about EVPs, and he was like, "Don't, don't bother me with EVPs. I spend most of my time trying to get this crap out of the yeah." Well, right, time. right. So it's, it's, it's but I, but I believe I'm mean, when you, when you get way so like uh, when I was a younger man, me and my little brother made holograms in the in my mother's basement. You know what a hologram is, right? Is you is you uh, record um, the interference pattern of light, right? And then when you shine new light on it, uh, you know the film is actually recorded an interference pattern. You get you get an image that's well, it's not on the film anymore. It's it's recreated it. And I believe with sounds you can get 
an additive and a subtractive effect from sound waves that in certain spots would sound entirely different than what you'd expect. So like you and I could be talking, but, but um, there could be a spot in the corner there where we sound like um, birds chirping or something because just because of the way the sound adds up. True, but no, not this time. And the only reason I can say that is because I was there. I mean, I, and it's like, it's not some weird audio trick. There was, it, the, for the most part, the office had, was like loaded with sound deadening stuff. It's like. Um, but where were you in relation to the microphone or the recording device? I was right next to it. I was in a chair. Yeah. Because I remember the voice of the person you're hearing talking to was sitting at the desk that I was sitting next to at the desk. And the microphone, the, the digital recorder is on the desk. So. so do you ever do these things with multiple recorders placed around the room? Oh, yeah. I didn't do that with this one. This was like one of my earliest hunts. You wouldn't have it on the desk either. You might also be getting an effect um, just because sound travels at a different velocity through uh, objects. What objects, though? The desk and the microphone itself. But It's like when you put your ear down to a desk and, and knock on it. it it's going to... But it's like, right. I don't know what would cause that particular kind of noise. And I, I well, don't, but it's like, it is. It'd be fun to create it. Yeah. Well, yeah. So to see if I could like recreate that, but it, it literally sounds like one of those like push uh, trucks, like that you load, you know, you load things like mail up and you push it around and it's clacking on like tile, but there's no tile there. I don't know what would cause the clicking. The, Chunka, 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 chunka. I have yeah, not... so I, I think what I'd like to have is like talk to somebody who uh, is, who really knows their stuff about audio because oh, I, like, I mean, we, so we have this, but uh, saying well, I don't know what else it could be, so it has to be a ghost is kind of oh, like uh, Stu just that. made a Stu just made a face. I didn't say it was a ghost. No, no, that's the that's the, the, the classic argument from ignorance. I it, I don't yeah. know if God yeah. or a ghost or what have you. Exactly. Yeah, that's what I'm what, getting at. I really it's don't like, know what it is, but I do know I I know that uh, I know what was there. Yeah, the, I, there I, is I, one thing that I will bring in here is that I I don't mean this to be. Please take this in 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 a in a, in a loving spirit here, um, but there are experiments done with perception where people will be focusing on one thing, utterly oblivious to something else that's going on in the same range of vision, sight, yeah. and hearing. The, the classic is, and you can, you can find these, these YouTube videos where they say, okay, here, here are five people playing, you know, just playing a gentle ball game, just throwing the ball to each other, count the number of times the ball is thrown and see if you yeah. come to the same answer, same answer we, yeah. that we did. And so you watch, you, you count very carefully the number of times the ball is thrown. And at the end they say, Okay, now watch that video again without even without and don't even pay attention to the ball. And a good two thirds or more of the people who do this realize that they didn't even notice a gorilla walking through the uh, right. uh, through the video playing ball because they're focused on people playing ball. So when you're when your attention is somewhere else, you won't even hear or see right. something that, that that's going on sometimes. So you can say, "Listen, I was right there, and that didn't happen." Yeah, just especially if you're if you're in a conversation engaged with someone, 
thinking about what they're saying, you could easily overlook a background sound without realizing there, it. There I, were two I would other think. people there, and they they never they didn't hear this either. But they were engaged in the conversation, right? There, you guys. So you guys are carrying on conversation and talking, and Listen, you're listening to each other and thinking wanna, about what each other is saying. Play it one more time. It's 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 freaking loud, like Jenna said. It's freaking loud. Yeah, I know. Like, I I would have noticed that, and it's like it's it's I I something like shuffled through there not not it sounds mechanical it does it does it's yeah. like i don't know what it is but i swear to god there was nothing we had nothing that would make that sound it would be interesting because there are so many variables you have to take into account like if you had there on site an audio specialist a median that's been verified as much as any median or psychic ability person whose claims that can be verified who says they have the extra sensory perception and then someone who's been in extremely dangerous situations consistently that involved life or death, like a veteran, because then they're not going to be emotional and they're not, they've been in actually legitimately terrible situations that unless an environment truly is dangerous, they're probably not going to have a sensory, like their mind's not going to start making shit up because they know what's, really feels bad and really is dangerous versus it's just dark and the little human animal in me recognizes that this could be a threat and something could be in there because i mm -hmm. feel like there is a distinction there's the thing that happens you get scared because i think the animal looks at an mm -hmm. environment and says i'm invulnerable because it's dark it's quiet mind plays tricks on you and people who have been actually in bad situations so many times their mind doesn't play those tricks but we didn't hear it when it was going on. What? I'm just saying, I'm not saying this situation specifically. I'm just saying if you were to create a situation where you had a lot of different ways to measure the environment and differently, different people with sensory perceptions of experiences, because the way someone perceives an environment who has been in legitimate danger versus a median versus someone who is curious and trying to find answers, everyone's going to read the environment differently. Hey, Bill. And their input afterwards would be fascinating. We did have one again. What's that? The mechanical one. Can you play the one that everybody says sounds mechanical again? Yeah. We had a 20-year police veteran with us. He was one of the investigators. Well, yeah, that doesn't mean anything to me. So I found an article here. It's um, from the Khan Academy, actually. So, but uh, beats and interference of sound waves. And um, the gist is you can create alternating uh, soft and loud sounds heard from two different sound waves of different frequencies interfering. So it'll sound like a drum beat, loud beat, soft beat, loud beat, soft beat, which is exactly what I'm hearing there. So and it's not going to, I don't think it's going to be the same frequency as the other sounds in the room. It's just something that's, that happens. It's just an effect of the technology. Yeah. Or whatever's, or the two voices interfering with each other or. And we can okay. post a link along with everything else, like in the description. So right. when there's, there's not much to this. I was just saying that there's, there's. That is a possibility. A, yeah. With, with the, the sound stuff. See, I'm not, I, I, I never said this stuff was ghosts. In fact, I do believe I explained that I talked to a sound professional who actually spends most of his days trying to get this kind of crap out of his stuff. So it's well, like, and that's a big deal out here. The uh, 
the guys in the engineering department in Lincoln tends to be really big on the sound uh, sound stuff. So you're saying, John, that sound engineer you talked to, he was getting, was he having a lot of people send him this type of stuff? And he was, yeah, he he he, uh, he was more into UFOs than the paranormal. But he he came to some of the meetings we had uh, when we had them, and it's like, um, yeah, he he's like, uh, I wanted him to listen to some of this stuff. He said, don't bother. It's like it's like there's there's sound junk that just shows up yeah um, and it's like i i had the distinct impression that some of that sound junk ruined perfectly good recordings that he was trying to fix yeah uh, he was mad about it it's like so yeah don't 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 make me listen to this crap i spend my professional life trying to clean this crap up so huh. oh yeah if you ever get it i don't know if they still do them or not like i toured the holland here in Omaha, yeah, mm -hmm. and they have those sound tiles and the chairs and the wood, and they went through all sorts of modeling to try to cut down the possible interference. Down. And yeah, and I don't know if it worked or not because I, I don't have that kind of ear for things. But uh, mm -hmm. uh, but I know that's what you, you see the weird tiles all around the hall, and that's what the, it was all computer generated to cut down on uh, interference. Charles's idea is just as good as any other because I mean I don't think there's like a ghost pull cart going through UNO so <laughs> right well so I think the point is you know uh, go into this kind of stuff with a healthy degree of oh, skepticism yeah. and you know um, research a lot of other possibilities you know whether the objective got... nature of them it, the fact yeah. that you guys all heard different things shows just how you know this what i heard is what i heard yeah sure what you heard and it's like once you heard what you heard that's what you hear yeah and i heard what i heard for whatever reasons and that's what i hear so that's kind of how i labeled them for you bill yeah but it's like obviously it's like these are extremely subjective things which means kind of like i guess seth's like are they any are they anything if they're everything can they be anything right. but it's like yeah I, I don't think i'm experiencing you know the other side, especially since none of these make any sense. What John's, uh, you know, EVPs demonstrate is that there's a lot of fun to explore the paranormal. It it's always good to have healthy skepticism and, you know, just always be open to, you know, evaluation and critique. And like this discussion is great because if everyone comes to the end of something and then, you know, like, yeah, there's something there, even if we don't know what it is, like it's, it's always good to share and, you know, oh. our experiences. Yeah, right. I, hey, I had this, this kind of might sum up a little bit. I, I knew a guy that uh, it kind of goes, he was laying in bed one day and he saw a, rot, a rat run across the floor and he kind of looked for it, couldn't find it. And then a few days later, he saw another rat and uh, he, he got an exterminator and they never found any rats. And then one day he saw a rat run up the wall and it, it kept going like that, like every so often. And it turned out you know, rather than him being haunted by rats, that he had a scratch on his retina. Oh. oh. Hmm. That every so often the light would hit it and he'd see a rat. That's kind of sad. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I heard a worse story than that the other day. That's why I thought this was, I, I thought we were talking about the same story, Cheryl. No. Um, the, the, the story I heard was this guy, was, he went on Reddit saying, what's the best way to get rid of ants? Because I just can't get rid of them. They're just everywhere. And people have the usual, well, make sure you get all the sugar taken care of and you know, traps this, exterminator that. And then one person said, you know, apropos of nothing, check your house for, check out your carbon monoxide levels. 
Hmm? Oh, carbon monoxide. Yeah. Oh yeah. Every time I every time I go on a ghost hunt, I take a carbon monoxide meter with me. Because yeah, that'll cause really intense hallucination right before it kills you. <laughs> mm -hmm. All right. Well, we'll post a lot of these uh, uh, some links on our website to different uh, areas where you can go and uh, look for more research on this type of stuff, as well as some links to some of the area attractions we talked about earlier. But also and, on that, don't let that be an annual reminder. Change your carbon monoxide detector. There you go. That's right. <laughs> Good point, Jenna. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you all for listening. We hope you've enjoyed uh, this episode of Galactic Driftwood Podcast. Uh, definitely want to thank our special guest, Stu, for showing up. Thank you. Yay. Thank you for having me. It's always You're a welcome. Pleasure. And thanks to John for the EVPs. That was a fun change of pace. And yeah, it was. It was nice to listen to that. and just Hearing more was, of your work. Yeah, it was a good experiment just to see what people heard. And it just goes to show you when you're watching these ghost shows on TV and they put the little closed cat or captioning at the bottom as to what they heard on this thing. Uh, mm. yeah, of, and I always hated that, that they yeah. put the label because that, that does poison. And it's like, right. I was kind of expecting no one to actually have the same interpretation because that's what always happens. Right. No one right. ever gets the same interpretation. <laughs> well, I used to take it personally, but I don't anymore because, I mean, it's kind of fascinating in and of itself that these things are 100% subjective. Right. Right. And All welcome right. back to Jenna. Thanks yes, for and we're glad to have back. Jenna back as well. Oh. Yay. So, all right, well, uh, check us out online. Our website's galacticdriftwood.space. We're on YouTube. We're on Google Podcasts, Apple Play, Stitcher, Spotify. We're pretty much everywhere you want to be. So check and us out. And Synnet Nation. Synergy Nation.net. Yeah, that's one of those. <laughs> we'll post the link <laughs> alright well thank you all again and we'll uh, catch you next time where we're sure to have some more exciting discussions so take care bye bye, -bye everybody thanks for listening to this episode of the Galactic Driftwood Podcast for more information and past episodes please visit our website at galacticdriftwood.space or subscribe to us on YouTube and now Please deactivate your cranial downlinks, collect your towels, and be sure to watch your step as you exit our gravity well.